The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Would you like to know how to make better decisions for your business, your people, or yourself? Do you want to recognize when you make errors of judgment that cause the quality of your decisions to drop, and when you are moving away from, not closer to, your goal? Welcome to Because There's More with Laura Ellis. For the next hour, Laura and her guests will share experiences and insights that will challenge and stretch your thinking, help you recognize your biases, and ultimately guide you towards more predictable and accurate decisions. You'll walk away from this show feeling better informed, more inspired, and a lot more confident about your next big decision. Now, here's your host, Laura Ellis. Hello, I'm Laura Ellis, and this is Because There's More, the show that takes a closer look at decision-making. Thank you for tuning in. I'm delighted to be here with you for another show. How lucky am I to spend my time with decision-makers who have the generosity of spirit to share with you their decision-making journey to success. I couldn't think of a better way to start the week. Shortly, I'll be introducing you to my guest, Andrew Haley, who brings his unique perspective on decision-making, the perspective of a Paralympian athlete. Andrew and I will be then discussing what inspired his choices and decisions to help him achieve his dreams and become a recognized leader in Paralympic sport. Last Monday was Thanksgiving Monday here in Canada, so I decided to rebroadcast Jim Cathcart's show because Jim overcame his impoverished upbringing to achieve his dreams. And today, Andrew will share with us his own very impressive journey to become a Paralympic and world champion. Wow, what a privilege to have you here with us today, Andrew. Welcome and thank you for agreeing to be a guest. No problem. Thanks for having me. This is great. Um, so, to be honest, as far as inspirational stories go, yours is right up there. And it's a true testament to your hard work, determination, and, and belief in possibilities. And I'm just going to give more, um, more of a sense of uh, uh, your life and how you came to be where you are today. As a child, Andrew, you had cancer twice, and each time you were given slim chances to survive. You survived bone cancer, but lost part of your leg. And then two years later, cancer hit again, but this time in your lung and part of your lung had to be removed. The fact that you overcame your hardship to return to a normal life, I think it's inspiring in and of itself, but you did much more than that. Only a year, wow, only a year after you started to swim, you participated in the first World Swimming uh, swimming Championship. And I know from what I read that uh, at that point you promised yourself to be a world uh, champion um, one time. So, and I know you'll tell us more about that. But you continued and you went on to become a world-class world record setting Paralympic swimmer. And among other competitions, you have competed at four Paralympic Summer Games, Barcelona in 92, Atlanta in 96, Sydney in 2000, and Athens in 2004. You have won a Paralympic gold medal in the four uh, 100 medley relay and four bronze Paralympic medals. You currently hold multiple individual relay national records. You have served as your team's cap- captain and you are definitely a recognized leader in Paralympic sport. And today you're also a successful businessman who works for the Toronto Blue Jays, um, a well-known uh, organization to all of us Canadian today as they're participating in the playoffs. Um, and uh, 
but not only that, you give back to your community, you involve with a children's charity, Right to Play, and go around talking to children and inspiring them how to be the best they can. And you also support athletes um, to, um, to succeed in their career. At the same time, you leverage your life story to partner with a number of organizations and um, use your uh, examples of determination and hard work to inspire and help um, employees and organizations in general succeed. Um, your philosophy is that being a champion and turning pressure into performance is a moment-to-moment -moment choice that can be made by each one of us. Wow. How did this amazing story start, Andrew? Well, there's a lot there for sure. And, uh, you know, I'm happy and honored to have, you know, gone through the journey because oftentimes it's not what you get at the end. It's what you experience going through it. And certainly having um, overcome cancer twice, that's sort of where it starts because if I wasn't able to make it through, it would have been, um, obviously impossible to, to afterwards and who knows what my life was going to become. And I think I just, you know, very, a lot of perseverance. Um, and I just, after the cancer diagnosis, I just got back into a normal life. I played road hockey, kind of pick last basketball, many other sports that, that led me through my, um, early childhood until I found competitive swimming. And that was just one of those things where it was like the hallelujah moment where I'm in the pool and things are good. And I really felt a sense of belonging um, in life after that world championship because I saw other people with the same disability as me. So um, when I did tell myself one day I'd be world champion, I did so with the fact that I, a, another world of possibilities had opened up for me. People were the same as me to some shape or form. Um, and it just, it just drove me to that moment um, down the road to hopefully be world champion. That's amazing. What, you know, we're inspired by different things and uh, our, our internal motivation comes from different things. Any sense, any idea what in your environment or in your early years inspired the strength that you've demonstrated throughout? Well, I mean, I grew up in a small town. So I think in North Sydney, Nova Scotia, in Canada, and I think that they, you know, they, they rallied around me. There was really nobody else with a disability there. Um, a lot of great friends and family and just treating me um, the same as everybody else. So I think that sense of community really, really helped build my character going forward, kind of trying to be low-key, down-to-earth. But make no mistake, even though I grew up in a, an area that was pretty, uh, like, for all intents, it was low-key. I was very tenacious. I was very, you know, committed. Um, I wanted to win at all costs. Um, playing fair, of course, and it was just um, the fact that I beat cancer twice, 35% chance to beat it, um, I think led into other aspects of my life, and then it just it just sort of built from there because I'm like, if I beat cancer, I can do anything I want to, and then when I go speak to people um, who haven't dealt with a disease or overcome obstacles, I'm trying to share, live that for them. I'm trying to say, listen, I went through this. I know you can accomplish anything you want. I know it's a moment, moment choice, but any moment you can decide that you can be the best you possibly can be. You can follow your destiny to greatness. And, you know, we re really, we all have greatness inside of us. And um, it's, just, uh, it, it's just a mindset. You know, the mindset, the glass is always half full, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're quite young. Did you have any role models that inspire that determination? And again, it's just uh, amazing that to you, uh, and you are describing it as if it was an, a natural evolution of, uh, after overcoming uh, what you have overcome. But again, how, how did you get to be so strong? Uh, was it your role models or uh, just day after day and this wisdom that you share with us? Where did you get that from? Well, I think that uh, as far as the strong concern, I would probably say that my parents, you know, growing up and having cancer when you're six and my parents are in their early 30s dealing with this and having to be strong from my twin brother, Brett, at home um, really helped give me the strength that I needed. And one of the things I talk about in my motivational presentations is the team, the doctors, the nurses, um, the friends, all those people that help you with that team. So um, I got strength from them, and I just got strength from the everyday. You know, after the diagnosis, after getting through of it, things got back to somewhat normality, I guess, um, to a certain level. But I just, um, 
just try to live one day after another, not getting too far ahead of myself. Um, it was tough. It was hard walking back and forth to school on my artificial leg and, you know, but people didn't let me, um, complain about anything. I remember my coach, Ian McCachran back in the day, and I was doing a set of 10, 100s butterfly. And if anybody knows swimming, it's not the easiest set in the world to do. And I wanted to stop many times throughout the set and he never let me, um, he treated me like anybody else. He treated me like I had two legs. He said, get in there and do the job. Um, so these people were strong influence on my life because what disability you have or, you know, hiccup you might have, there's people out there that are saying, get back in the saddle. You can do this. Stop complaining about what you don't have and just worry about what you do have. And I think those, um, those lessons, uh, serve me well throughout my life so far. Yeah. Amazing insights because uh, I myself have seen working with uh, my clients the difference that it makes when they have a, a support mechanism in place. And sometimes, unfortunately, that's what uh, often is missing from the um, work environment. So how did you get to choose swimming? You did say that you went into uh, different sports and uh, you ended up being a swimmer. Well, that was quite uh, by accident, to be honest. I think... You know, way back in the day, I was 15, I was going to school, um, and I got a phone call from um, my aunt, uh, Kathy, who worked at that time for Imperial Oil Esso, and she's like, one of my colleagues, um, He he's the national coach for swimmers with a disability, and for amputees, and I told him a little bit about you, I told him you don't have any swimming experience, but you like to swim, this is her talking to him, um, so he gives me a call, and at that point, it kind of seemed like any apple fell off the tree. So he calls me up and I get to the pool and after some conversations and goggles that leaked and swim shorts that went down to my knee, um, <laughs> excuse me. And it just, I just, I just, it was day one and day two was better and day three was better than that. And it just kind of went from there. And I started mid season, I'm hopping around the pool deck with my leg off. I'm a little, I'm self-conscious at 15, you know, teenagers, um, but to me it didn't matter. And I just found my niche. I found the sport that was you know, we kind of found each other. So that was sort of like a really fluky moment that if she didn't work with him or of him, because you have to understand way back in the, in the, uh, late eighties, early nineties, Paralympic sport was for all intents and purposes was in infancy. You know, now people look at Paralympic sport and, um, next year in Rio is going to be amazing. And before in London and, and Sochi, but before it was, you know, I paid to go to the 92 Paralympic Games. I paid $1,000 wow. to be on that team, and I got one T-shirt, a towel, and a swimsuit. And these days, it's a lot more advanced. So the awareness of Paralympic sport way back when was almost non-existent. So for me to be able to f literally fall into this environment, um, it was pretty fluky. And now today, it's not so fluky. There's There's lots of programs. There's recruitment programs out there and whatnot, but... Um, that's how it started for me. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, do you remember how it felt? You said that we found each other. Do you remember? I, I know that a lot of people hear um, uh, a lot of talks about finding your own passion, but sometimes uh, we are not as fortunate to know what that is and and we often believe that it's just uh, uh, an instant uh, and uh, passing feeling. How did that feel? when you knew that you found the sport, you found your niche. Do you remember? Uh, well, I, would, I don't exactly remember, but I think overall it was, um, uh, I don't know, I just loved it so much. You yeah. know, when they say yeah. that you're doing something you love, it's not a, you don't, you don't work. I mean, we, I like pushing myself. I was an athlete. I played, like I said, I played road hockey mm -hmm. and basketball and, all the, and baseball and, you know, the, all those other sports. I knew that I was not the best player out there. And for those who know me, know that I want to be the best in whatever I'm doing. My Blue Jays job, I want to be the best in what I do. So I think when I found swimming, I, I felt a real connection because I knew that what I was doing would go further than that. I'd go to national championships. Um, and I'd actually like to share a, a story about you know going to national championships. So I, I started swimming uh, in 89, and the national coach said, if you, you, know, you progress fast enough, you'll be able to go to nationals. And for me, that was in Richmond, B.C., and... Um, so I went to Richmond and I swim in three races and, uh, you know, it was really exciting because I won three bronze medals, but, uh, the exciting, <clears throat> I guess the part that I would sell to my corporate audiences when I tell them, you know, it's a secret don't tell is that there's only three people in the race. And, um, 
it's a true story that I, you know, but I, I, I held on to that. I held on to the fact that I won three bronze medals, went back home and really kept going because that was, that was the, 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 the rocket launch. You know, I saw people with disabilities there because before that I hadn't seen anybody because there's no real disability in Nova Scotia and then world championships next year. And then it just took off from there. Yeah. So, you know, you made a very important point and we only have like three minutes to the break, but just to um, extract the essence of what you've just said, uh, as you know, the show is about decision making and my background is in cognitive uh, processes and decision making. We do have a tendency um, because our brain is wired that way to remember uh, the bad experiences before we remember the good ones. It's how our brains has been wired anthropologically to keep us away from danger. And you said something very important, that you held on to the fact that um, you won the bronze medal. You could have um, you know, just to prove how our brains are wired, you could have been disappointed or or beat yourself for winning just the bronze medal. Mm-hmm. What caused you to do that? How did you find that ability in yourself to hold on to to the and and extract the positive part of that? I think because I was probably going there without expectation, and even though there was like three people in the race, it didn't really matter to me that there was one, two, three, or 15. You know, I went out there to <clears throat> to try my best to be at national championships, and I was on that stage and didn't, while I was taking it serious, um, I didn't let results get in the way of of progression, you know? And I and it, it, didn't, it almost didn't matter whether I was third or fifth or eighth. I really took it as a learning opportunity because I was building a foundation. I was building a, found, a, a championship foundation I guess earlier on to later on go on to the heights that I was that I was getting, and if I was going to worry about the performance or I was third and what about first and second, you know I'm a young kid. Like at that point, I was 16 years old, going out there, giving everything I had. So when I returned home, I returned home with knowledge, you know, and that's that's key for everybody. It's it's how much knowledge you have, and I think as far as decision making is concerned. The more you know, the more informed you know, the more variables that you can control, the better off you're going to be. And I think that's uh, that was just one more step along the road to help me. Yeah, and and I know you're going to tell us more uh, later about how important it is to have a vision. But basically, that's what you're saying is that you knew that that's just one step, and you didn't pay more attention to it than was necessary. It was a step. You you took the most from it and uh, uh, continued on the journey because you knew that's just the beginning of the journey, and that's a very very important point and very transferable and one of the main reasons that I wanted so much for you to be on the show because we've got so much to learn from professional uh, athletes and especially someone like you who had to keep reminding him that. So we're going to go to a commercial break now but after the break we'll go deeper into discussing the decisions that shaped and drove your success uh, because your insights are all fascinating. So stay on and we'll be back just in a couple of minutes. Thank you. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Are you a CEO, a board director, or an entrepreneur looking to have more control over the future of your organization? If the answer is yes, you need Tab Ignite. Our approach is unique, intelligent, and it works. Our solution is exclusively positioned to guarantee the results you seek for your business because we make it simple for you to tap our advisor's expertise and experience and make accurate business decisions. Ask Tab Ignite to work for you at tabignite at trustedadvisoryboard.com and make your next decision the first of many best decisions for your company. Do you believe in the value you bring to an organization? Have you been overlooked for a promotion because you think differently than your peers? 
Do you know that you can and will make a difference to the business? Let Tab Advanced be your personal advisory board and help you make different, better decisions about your career. Our team is customized to your successful advancement and hones in on when, why, and how you make those decisions. Build a more fulfilling career. Contact us today at advance at trustedadvisoryboard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Because There's More with host Laura Ellis. To connect with our program today, please send Laura an email to lellis at trustedadvisoryboard.com. Now, back to Because There's More. Hello, I'm Laura Ellis, and this is Because There's More, the show that takes a closer look at decision-making. And I'm here today with Andrew Haley, who um, is a Paralympic champion in swimming and who is inspiring. I already feel inspired and um, sharing with us his insights from his journey to success. And what I was saying to you, Andrew, uh, during the break is I know you'll talk to us more about how important it is to have clarity of the end goal or a vision of where you want <coughs> to be. But basically, that's uh, that's what you were describing just before the break. Uh, can you tell us more? How did you, where did you set? How far ahead did you set that vision when you started to uh, realize that swimming is the place for you? Well, I think initially the first uh, first year or so was just sort of a day-by-day thing until I got my, pardon the pun, foot wet <laughs> with only one. But um, <laughs> I think that um, way back in, in 1990 um, when I came back from World Championships, and I'd only... Um, being my first world championships, I was 10th in the 400 freestyle. I was 16th in another race, and I was actually disqualified in one race. Um, but on the plane ride on the way home, I told myself, one day, Andrew, you're going to be world champion. And it was that sort of positive self-talk um, that later on in life you realize that a lot of leaders, they, they, they take positive self-talk. I'm going to do this. We can do this. You know, It comes from inside kind of thing. Because I saw other people that were somewhere similar like me and um, when I was on, um, when I was on that plane, that was set the emphasis for the rest of my career because world championships were every four years. I was going to train until then. And, um, that, that's what is it for me. That, that's, that was the, that was the bullseye. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure and you, uh, I'd like to know about both, but what allowed you to keep, um, the self-talk going in the positive direction? Like what, what kept you going and saying the same things? Because I know from my experience, uh, my own experience, but also from the people I work with, that it's okay uh, for a while, but then you start to hear different voices, the ones that are not so encouraging. Yeah, well, because I, I believed it so much. Mm-hmm. I think that I just, I, I had 110% buy-in on, on, on that thought. And, um, it's, it's not easy as you mentioned, because when I'm back home and 16, 17 years old and I get up at 20 to five in the morning, go outside, shovel the snow off the car in the winter, drive to the pool, 20 minutes, get out of the car, which is now warm, hopefully go into the pool, um, and then get changed and then dive into a cold pool. You think you're, you're pretty much nuts. Right. And, um, there would be many opportunities for you to say, you know what, this morning I'm not going to go to workout because it's minus 15 degrees outside and snowing or whatnot. But I keep coming down to little things. Like I told myself, like if I'm not going to go to the pool, the guy in Spain is, and the guy in Britain is, or Australia or whatnot, despite them having maybe better weather than me or fill in the blank for the excuse. And so I didn't want to hear about the excuses. I just wanted to be better every single day. And if I was going to accomplish something extraordinary like winning a world championships or just, you know, let's and let's bring it down. I mean, not everybody's going to win world championships, but if mm-hmm. I was going to accomplish something extraordinary, no matter who's listening to this, they're going to have a goal in mind. And they're going to say, well, Andrew, like, OK, you were going to go to world championships. So you had to go to the pool every day. Well, I just want to run a marathon or triathlon. So I, I don't actually need to go to the pool every day. Well, that's wrong you, because the fact is, is that you're committing yourself. And yep. so you need to figure out what your commitment is. That's the decision-making right there. Yeah. What am I willing to do 
to achieve the outcome that I'm willing to achieve? Are you willing to give everything of yourself? Then if you are, then it doesn't matter because you need to do it. It, there's no there's no choice. When I was swimming um, competitively, getting up in the morning for workout, I was left with no choice because my team was counting on me, but more so I was counting on myself to get to the pool every single day. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Let me ask you a question. Did you, uh, so the vision was clear. Did you at any point stop and broke down the decision in kind of steps? What do I need to do to get there? Whether you wrote it down or not, did you do that or was just an intuitive step-by-step uh, step or connecting with your inner self and saying, I just want to do my best? Uh, I, I wrote it down because yeah. one of the things about um, you know accomplishing things is goal setting or as I mm-hmm. call it, performance goal setting. It's one of my yeah. seven steps uh, that I'll get into a little bit later. But it's it, I just I went back home and I wrote down what my goals were. You know, you write down the goal, you put it on your, your mirror in your bedroom and you look at it every single day. I want to be world champion or something. And I know I know athletes that didn't do this, that they, on the ceiling of their bedroom, they p- put some quote like, um, like I always said, believing is the first step in doing it was one of the things I came up with early on in life. And I always say, if you believe in yourself, you can do anything you want. So let's say, for instance, I put that in the ceiling of my bedroom. Mm-hmm. I wake up in the morning. I say, believing is the first step in doing. Okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go back to sleep if I have a workout because those things help push me forward. Those little things, getting getting your clothes ready in the the night before, um, so you don't have that that slowing you down or wherever the case may be, getting your socks out and everything else in between. So it's just. I just was, it was just a focus thing. And yeah. I think that people who have it, have it. And the people that are, are behind probably can't focus as well as others. But I really feel that despite back that you might be behind a little bit, we all have it inside of us. We yeah. all have greatness inside of us. We all can learn to do that. Some might take a little more prodding than others, but that's why you have a team. That's why you have others around you to help you. And it's amazing the transformation that you can go through is if you have people encouraging you because that um, is just, it's, it's what you need. You need some support factors and you need to get rid of, rid of all those people that are negative. Yeah, and, and, and you know, uh, Andrew, you're preaching to the converted because I chose a career in helping people transform and be their best and helping organizations. And you're absolutely right. I mean, when you see that transformation in, in someone and uh, in yourself, it's absolutely an amazing feeling. You, um, you talked about the fact that uh, uh, you developed focus and you inspired yourself. We often look at athletes, and I'm telling you as someone who doesn't do that many sports, um, like they are superhuman. And, and you know what? You guys are. You are superhuman. I, I wonder what I would have done in a similar situation. But I know that um, the reason I wanted you here and the reason you talk to organizations is because you do create parallels be, be, uh, between what you did and what people in everyday jobs do. And, and you've just uh, described some of those. Can you elaborate uh, on that and what do you tell people? How do you make your experience relevant to them? Well, I think that, um, you know, building um, relationships is, 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 is key. Um, like, I just don't want to give, give a talk. Um, I want to impact others. I want yeah, to yeah. show what I did in the pool um, is transferable. The skills are transferable. Yep. The, I believe in it. I'm committed. Hard work. Maybe a little bit of luck. Um, <clears throat> and then the best reward, and what makes you feel like you're on the right track, um, is hopefully that you know I can give th- them my experiences and that I can help them um, with theirs. I mean, overall, the message is life is short. Mm-hmm. Control your destiny. Do what you want to do, wherever it takes you and however you want to make it happen. And I think that you know you have to learn that that you're the driver of the bus, and yeah. the bus being you. I'm the bar- driver of Andrew Haley bus. Nobody else is going to to help me out if I don't want it. And if I'm not going to lead my life, invariably, somebody's going to lead it for me. So therefore, I need to make decisions yeah. that, that, that help me along that path. So, and there's very many, there's a lot of parallels. You know, when I'm in swimming, it's, you know, goal setting, determine, focus, 
um, perseverance, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then with my job, um, I'm in sales is, you know, what if I don't make my quota? I need to, you know, stay the line. I'm, I set goals every month for my sales targets. It's really, or any sort of organization out there, it's really relatable because what an athlete does, um, you learn a lot of, I mean, look at some of the best athletes in the world and, um, you'll just see that, you know, they've accomplished so much and how do we learn the skills? How do we learn those skills? And there's not even that there's, there's business people out there. And, um, I just try to have my own take on it and, um, help guide people to, to the promised land based on my experiences. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I know that you were um, uh, telling uh, us about uh, how you set goals and uh, and everything else. What were the hardest moment? What were the your um, uh, typical barriers in in uh, that you know came up often? Uh, and how did you overcome those? Because we, we always, as I said earlier, we always believe that we have a tendency to believe that if others have succeeded, it's because those people possess something we, the rest of us, don't have. Um, and uh, the reason for my show is just to show people also that everyone has doubts. Everyone has second thoughts. And so what were your typical challenges in the process? Well, mine are sort of un, a little unordinary. I mean, because I have one leg, you know, walking mm -hmm. around, mm -hmm. little differences between one having one leg and two legs. But, you know, things that everybody can relate to is back in 96, um, I had a setback. I was disqualified in the 200 individual medley, and I'd finished the race, and my time would have got me um, first place going into finals that night, and yet I couldn't swim the race. And And I was very disappointed. But the one of the things I took out of the race, I didn't take the negatives out of the race. Yeah, I was disqualified. Yeah, that was, you know, that kind of was too bad. But my 50-meter butterfly in that race was really good. Hmm. And I held on to that part. And it helped guide me, propel me to a bronze medal in the race a few days later because I took positives out of the race. So there's going to be many barriers out there. Um, but I think that we need to break it down. You know, one day at a yeah. time, how am I going to do this? Um, and then maybe it's an instant barrier, but maybe it's barriers that you can talk to somebody about. Listen, I'm, I'm in training right now for this marathon. I just can't seem to break this time. Can you help me? Yeah. And maybe it's, maybe it's talking to somebody who's done it, or maybe it's talking to a sports psychologist, or maybe it's, uh, maybe it's the way you eat or something, but there's got to be a way to get over it. And, but, but it all comes down to attitude. And I think for me, I came, you know, I'm a guy who had one leg. I'm, I was trying to race the 100-meter butterfly. And the barrier in my mind when I was swimming it, the world record at that point was 104.56. And it kept coming up that I'm not going to break this world record. Why? Because I had lung surgery. Mm. I wasn't fast enough to break the world record in this in particular event. That was sort of a small part of me thinking that um, until the point got where I was in Victoria in 2002, national championships, and I went 104.46 and broke the world record. Wow. And that was just like, it was an amazing moment because I was always trying, despite the fact that it was, you know, I thought I had this barrier. I kept going and going and going. And if you keep at something long enough, you're going to smash right through. And for me, that was my moment that I smashed right through. And, you know, talk, people that talk to me will be like, there's nothing, nothing that you can't accomplish if you want to overcome it. And, um, yeah, sure. There's, there's others along the way that might be a little bit better than you are faster than you are stronger than you are. Um, but I keep going back to, uh, a movie, um, that I that I watched way back in the way that people might know it's it's the name the movie is Rudy and in this movie this guy was playing for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish football team and he wanted to play on the team but he wasn't fast enough he wasn't strong enough mm -hmm. didn't have uh, a lot of the intangibles other athletes had but he had a heart and then finally at the end of the movie the coach decided to put Rudy into the game as a defensive player and he sacked the quarterback and he was ready despite all the barriers in front of him when he had his opportunity he pounced at it and he'd sack the quarterback and it was a great feeling. So I would encourage everybody listening, your time will come. The barriers are out there, but if you keep going, if you keep that perseverance, 
uh, you'll be amazing at the uh, confidence that you can get. Yeah. Yeah. So again, there's so many things that relate in what you said, Andrew, because uh, as you know, I I work mostly with corporations and, and the organizations that I created that is Trusted Advisory Board. It's basically uh, playing that role that you just described. You come to a point where you um, you yourself cannot make or break that barrier if you are at that point, as long as you believe that there is an answer, um, there are other people who can give you the answer because you can only be in one head at a time and sometimes you don't see, you cannot see what uh, others see. So uh, that's amazing um, parallel to what's happening in, um, in everyday organizations. And unfortunately, people don't collaborate enough. We talk about collaboration, but there's also um, uh, competition in, in perhaps the wrong uh, way or misunderstood. The other thing that you said that I loved is um, be ready, be ready. I mean, not not rely on necessarily the outcome will come every second, but do everything you can to uh, prepare to uh, and be ready. And that's uh, an amazing um, insight. Anything else you can tell us on that? Uh, we only have uh, a couple of minutes to the break, but uh, well, I just like to, um, you know, the, in terms of like overall how I would feel, you know, what success factors, mm-hmm. and if I was to draw based on my experiences, I would say that, you know, anytime you're successful, um, it's going to take the the attitude, the belief system. You're not going to get there without it. So. For me, that has to be paramount. You need to believe in what you're doing and, and never give up on that one. The second one is you're not going to get to where you need to get to without a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. So that has to be part of it. You need to buy in, the goal setting, everything else. But you need to be willing to put the effort in because if you're not going to be willing to put the effort in, others will. And the third one is, for my situation, luck. You know, I got lucky um, that I, um, that my nat, my aunt knew the national coach. I got lucky that w- I was in a situation, world championships in 1994, um, swimming the, my three races, three bronze medals, not obviously winning the world championship like I wanted, but then they asked me to swim butterfly in the relay. And because I swam butterfly in the relay, my time would have gotten me the bronze medal had I swim it in the normal race. And that's what put me onto the butterfly track. You know, that's what helped me a few years later do what I did and be prepared for luck. You know, luck comes to people who work hard, you know, so that so I think those three things from my situation uh, help propel me to future success. So we each have a decision to make. What is your decision? How hard do you want to work? How much you're going to be committed? And if you do all that, maybe you're going to get a little bit of luck on your side, which I think the. You know, the fairy godmother is going to help guide you that way a little bit, too. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to share those three things, because I think when we start out on a journey for success, you know, at some point you're going to need to realize um, what uh, what what do you consider your success factors and build on that and expand on that and make those make those your own and yeah. um, really embrace it. Yeah, I totally agree. So we're going to go again to a commercial break now, but we'll come back after the break and even talk about the element of luck because it plays quite an important decision, some key insights that you've highlighted. So stay on and we'll be back just in a couple of minutes. the boardroom to you voice america business network do you believe in the value you bring to an organization have you been overlooked for a promotion because you think differently than your peers do you know that you can and will make a difference to the business let tab advanced be your personal advisory board and help you make different better decisions about your career our team is customized to your successful advancement and hones in on when why and how you make those decisions Build a more fulfilling career. Contact us today at advance at trustedadvisoryboard.com. Are you a CEO, a board director, or an entrepreneur looking to have more control over the future of your organization? If the answer is yes, you need Tab Ignite. 
Our approach is unique, intelligent, and it works. Our solution is exclusively positioned to guarantee the results you seek for your business because we make it simple for you to tap our advisor's expertise and experience and make accurate business decisions. Ask Tab Ignite to work for you at tabignite at trustedadvisoryboard.com and make your next decision the first of many best decisions for your company. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. are tuned into because there's more with host laura ellis to connect with our program today please send laura an email to lellis at trustedadvisoryboard.com now back to because there's more hello i'm laura ellis and this is because there's more the show that takes a closer look at decision making and i'm here with Andrew Haley, who's a Paralympic swimming champion, who is sharing with us his experiences. And and just before the break, he was telling us about his uh, success factors. And for all of you out there who are listening, please go back and download the show and listen again, because you will get new insights every time uh, you listen. I, I did get, and I'm getting a lot of our conversation, and it just reinforces, Andrew, that it is so good to have someone with your background because um, in the professional environment, what you have done, the advice that you give, it's um, it's not that common. People um, look at things differently. They have a different perspective. You talked just before the break about uh, uh, luck. And um, I I want to uh, know from your perspective, what allowed you, and you made that point just before the break, what allowed you to pick up on the luck that you had? Because sometimes luck hits us and we don't even know that we're being lucky. Well, I think you know, it's hard to know that you're lucky in the moment. Um, I think later on when you start with the career and you realize that, you know, the, the shape up of, of my national team when I was on it. Um, but I think it, the first time that I went to my national championships in Richmond, BC, you know, that was pretty lucky for a kid from Nova Scotia. That's pretty far away. And then I get to go to Holland and Barcelona and regardless of circumstance, um, being on any sort of team that you can travel or being, and then when you realize the people that you're involved with, that is just uh, amazing. So the luck was there. Uh, I took it. I ran with it. And I was, um, um, yeah, I was, I was going to say I was lucky, but um, it's all based on hard work. I mean, I'm not going to get to the national team unless I work hard, right? So yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you, need, you can get, it only, luck only takes you so, so further. I mean, you can win the lottery, uh, and that's, that's almost pure luck. Um, yeah. but, there's, uh, but there's, in order to, for a lot of times, in order to be lucky, you've got to be good. You know, that whole yeah. thing, you've got to be good to be lucky. Um, so I think I was a little, bit about, a little bit of that one. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, thank you for sharing that, because I think one of the um, earlier responses you gave kind of feeds uh, into it, from my perspective at least, that you have to be ready, no matter what. You have to be ready if you are lucky, and if fortune turns your way, then you have to know what to do with it. So the whole preparation, being ready, keep going, working hard, applies in both circumstances, being lucky or when luck doesn't turn um, your way. And, and unfortunately, I was talking to you during the break, Andrew, that what I see in corporations, a lot of the decision making is being taken without consideration of, of what the external factors do. And uh, it is that that often uh, turns uh, decisions to uh, not achieve the end result and people take it personally and they get disappointed and, and so on. Um, I warned you that our show is going to go very fast because there's such amazing context. So we don't have a lot of time till the end. So I do want you to talk to us about your Olympic experience and when you won uh, the gold in, in the medley. Can you tell us a bit about it and what was, how did it feel to you? Because I know how it felt to the person watching, but. Well, I think that uh, <clears throat> it, was a, it was a long time coming. As I mentioned uh, before, that uh, I had uh, became a butterfly in 94 pretty much by luck, fluke, whatever you want to call it, when I was asked to do the fly in the relay. Um, and then in 96, I won the bronze medal um, 
at the Paralympics, so I was ready to go. And um, again, that element of luck got in because the, the guy who's finished first and second, and I, I would have beat them by then anyways in 98, but they were both retired. So I kind of ascended to the top uh, spot. And then when I got to World Championships in 98, um, I, I got behind the block. And, you know, it's a key thing when you're faced with that much pressure. And for mm-hmm. me, having to having been so long to want to accomplish a goal, and then to get to that moment, do you do you wilt under the pressure? Do you do you rise to the pressure, um, rise to the moment? And thankfully for me in my career, a lot of times I've risen to the pressure. Why? Because I was ready to go. Because I had the training. I'd done the, the times and workout over and over and over again. Um, and by the time I dove into the water, and then uh, went and touched the 50 meter mark, and I was leading, and I saw it. Um, and then when I touched the final, looked up at the clock, saw that I'd won. And then on the back, of, and the first word I said to myself was finally. After all those years of trying, I was finally world champion. I had put my heart and sweat and tears and everything into this. And that's what I have on the back of my medal. But one of the things that, uh, that I've lived my career with is a lot of people would say to me, <clears throat> what have you sacrificed to get to that moment? You know, you couldn't go to dances when you were in high school or university. You didn't go drinking with your friends, you know, on a Friday or Saturday night. You had to get up early. You must have sacrificed, put that in quotes, sacrificed a lot. And I would say I didn't sacrifice a thing in my career. I invested my time in order to do what I love to do. And when you invest your time to do what you love to do, you don't sacrifice anything. Because I would do it, I would do it over and over and over again. So that moment was just a culmination of all those, all that stuff that happened before that. And it just felt so fantastic. Um, and it was actually 17 odd years ago, just last week, that I won that medal. And it's just, it's a special time for me um, to be able to call myself world champion and be able to come back home with it. Yeah. So congratulations for that, Andrew. I didn't know you then, but I, I'm in awe of all your achievements. You know, I tell people, uh, my clients, how important language is and how uh, by using the wrong um, uh, vocabulary, we set our brains up to take us in the right direction. I loved the fact that you said I didn't sacrifice um, anything. And in fact, I know that I often said about things that I've done that I've sacrificed and I'm going to change my language from now on. What an amazing insight. Thank you for sharing that uh, uh, with me. Um, how How is your brand and, and you today in motivational speaking and, and there's no surprise that you have chosen that avenue. Uh, but what do you think you offer um, uh, not necessarily that's different, but what's your different flavor of um, uh, motivation speaking or your brand to the others that are uh, available out there? Why should organizations come to you? Because I certainly hope they do. But tell us. Um, well, I think that, uh, you know, my audience is, is, in an informal way, is whoever wants to listen. Um, because all of us face at some point or another a crossroads, and we need someone to tell us to follow our dreams and be better and be bigger. I think overall my brand would be um, managing change and overcoming adversity because I've come overcome a lot of adversity, and through my life there's a lot of change uh, for that. I talk to a lot of corporate groups because I think with how competitive it is and the bosses realizing the employees sometimes just need a push, and I feel that I can help push them to across the finish line because there's, you know, they need to know commitment and dedication. I'm not saying they don't already, but just, just to hear it again, commitment, dedication, perseverance, thinking outside the box. Thinking outside the box is big because what we're doing is we're trying to be better. We're trying to be more innovative. How can we be better than the competition and just trying to, how can I be better than my competition, my fellow swimmers out there? And then, the, in, but in effect, we're all the same. It doesn't matter that I swam the heights that I swam that we're all the same. And we all, one of the phrases I love the most is allow yourself to be great. If you're in a situation, you can do that. And I say that in my presentations because it takes away all the fear, all the self-doubt, all the negativity that you have because you just want to be great. I want to do what that person's doing. I want to achieve greatness. And as I've said earlier, we all can achieve that. So people are going to feel discouraged. um, But as an athlete, I have a certain amount of control over my success and a time to go after it. So, yeah. I think that 
you know, I can go up there, I can share with them my experiences, I can talk about overcoming adversity, and I lived it, you know, yeah. with all due respect to a lot of other people. I, 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 this was thrust upon me. I've come yeah. through a great adversity, and I can talk about that, but I can also talk about coming on the other end and accomplishing greatness, and I think other people, and let's face it, a lot of people, the reason I, I do motivational speaking is because I wasn't a motivational speaker. I talked yeah. to a few groups, they heard my story. They're like, Andrew, that's great. Why don't you talk to this group, you know, tell them about your story. This is back home in Nova Scotia. And all of a sudden yeah. I talked to one group, and then it led to another group, and then another group. And all of a sudden, you know, I still work full-time for the Blue Jays, but I go out and talk to a lot of companies because they need that push. And, sure. Um, Andrew, I hate to interrupt you because we only have two minutes, but I want you to share with us uh, your seven steps for success because you don't just talk about things. You give people a framework. So why don't you share uh, that with us? And who knows, we might have you back to talk some more. So the first one I came up with was condition your mind to win, to be the very best. You need to be able to realize that there's a goal in mind at the end of the rainbow. And for me, I... I bought into being the world champion. And then what I would call 1.5 of the 7 is just a positive attitude. You can't go forward unless you have a positive attitude. And then, and then the other thing is remain committed to the final outcome, focused, and don't get distracted. Don't ever get distracted because, like I said, waking up in the morning, trying to go to the pool, not gonna, I'm not going to sleep in because I want to be the best I can be. We're going to run out of time, so why don't you just go through them and then we'll send some more information uh, on the blog and on LinkedIn. Sure, sounds great. So performance goal setting is three. Operating with a single purpose and discipline where focus goes energy. Number five, when things get tough, keep doing your best. Number six, take care of yourself at home, team, work, life balance. And number seven, which is super important, is team. Because together, everyone can achieve more, and everybody out there listening certainly can achieve more uh, by getting with your team and just believing you can do it. Andrew, thank you for this opportunity. It's been an amazing show, and I know that I'm going to go back, and, and one of my biggest takeaways is, is really change the, uh, the language uh, around my achievements, but as, as well my, what I, we call failures. So uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, we will hopefully talk to you again soon, and for everyone out there listening, um, next week we'll be back with Mick Simonelli talking about innovation and his decisions around that. So have a great week, and we'll talk to you next Monday. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for having me. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Because There's More. Join Laura Ellis again next Monday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to tune in, because there's more.